if you're not getting the most out of your workforce, if you are not enabling them to be successful and putting them in the best position to perform at their best, you're not going to achieve what you've set out to achieve. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Holly May, the Executive Vice President and Global Chief Human Resources Officer at Walgreens Boots Alliance. Welcome, Holly. Holly is uh, responsible for strategy and the direction of global HR programs, policies, and practices that support the company's business. She's also responsible for ensuring fair and equitable treatment for all team members. And uniquely, in, in many ways, she also leads the environmental, social, and governance uh, function for Walgreens Boots Alliance. And most recently, Holly served as the global CHRO for Abercrombie & Fitch. She managed all aspects of HR and ESG efforts across the company. She previously worked for Starbucks as Senior Vice President of Global Talent Rewards and Service Delivery. And prior to her time at Starbucks, Holly served in HR leadership roles with increasing responsibility at ING, Voya Financial, and Visa. So without further ado, I'm just so excited to, to welcome you today, Holly, to talk about neurodiverse hiring and bringing one's authentic self to work. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, very happy to be here. Was there anything about that rather impressive but short bio that uh, that I just shared that you wanted to to, to embellish on or and, and maybe talk a little bit about how that journey led you to the role you have at Walgreens today? Sure. Well, I've pretty much spent the entirety of my career in HR, including seven relocations, I believe, three years in the Netherlands uh, and moves across a number of industries, as as you accurately said. Um, I've actually spent the majority of my time in HR in total rewards. It's actually where I started in executive compensation. Um, and uh, that's where I've focused many of my roles. And that's the role I held at Starbucks leading Total Rewards, which is where I was first introduced to Roz Brewer, um, which is what led me to WBA, uh, where I work today. And, uh, you know, again, that was, of course, a huge draw. But another um, tipping point for me in making the decision uh, to move to Walgreens was really their groundbreaking leadership in uh, disability hiring and inclusion. Yeah, I do want to talk uh, more about that in, 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 in more detail for sure, because it is, it was a very impactful decision, I think, um, mm -hmm. to, to, to do that and to make those kinds of choices. You know, in looking at some of the things that you've talked about in the past, I've heard you talk about being unapologetically human. <laughs> so could could we start with that? What what does that mean for you? How does it show up in the culture at Walgreens Boots Alliance? Well, for me personally, and I can start there, um, just when I started my career, I was very intentional about keeping my personal life and my professional life separate. And I started in really a very formal corporate environment, very hierarchical and in doing that, I, I was very quiet about my personal life and very formal in how I showed up every day. And that, to me, embodied professionalism. And when I initially moved to Seattle uh, for my role at Starbucks, my son was very young. And just a few short months after relocating there, uh, he received a diagnosis of being on the autism spectrum. 
And for the first time in my career, I, I felt so desperate not knowing where to turn, barely having a pediatrician, let alone knowing how to navigate this new world of therapies. I, I went to my boss and I actually went to one of my direct reports, who's the head of global benefits, just you know, begging for help of what do I do next? How do I navigate this? What support uh, are you aware of? How can you help me? And you know, I was in such a state at the time, probably cried for the first time in my career at work, which I was <laughs> shocked at myself, but. Um, you know, in doing that, I really felt that it unlocked something that I had not been able to access before and it unlocked something really powerful, which was that by opening up, by expressing real vulnerability and showing them more of who I was, it created connection, it created a new bond and relationship across my team, my peers, my boss, that I had never been able to access before. And it really built a level of trust that allowed me to better support my team and better interact with, with my peers and my manager. And it, it really gave them that permission um, to show up every day as, as their authentic selves. Because if you're not role modeling as a leader, what you expect from your team. It doesn't matter what you say about, oh, trust me, or you, know, you can tell me anything. You have to do it yourself. And I found that that really unlocked so much and allowed me to care for my team um, in a much more holistic way. It allowed me to really unlock uh, their success and their performance by you know, knowing how I could manage them best, you know, what they needed in their lives, what they needed um, when they were in the office every day. And it really um, was a breakthrough for me. So at WBA, this is something, you know, we really champion. It sounds like you've heard, I, I refer to it as, you know, showing up and being unapologetically human at work, but it's about having our leaders show up every day um, and leading with authenticity and vulnerability and encouraging that from you know everyone who steps in the door. Well, Holly, first of all, thank you for for sharing that. Uh, but you know your your point about doing that yourself opens up so much for others, and you know we hear that, but it's still a scary thing to do. It is it's very scary. I, I can only imagine that the culture that you've that you've built and embellishing upon at at Walgreens really the word spreads people mm -hmm. i think are attracted mm -hmm. to a culture or to your example earlier you know about the commitments made to to a variety of things how does this approach play itself out as you look to att attract talent and how do you how do you use this as a retention tool where people can mm -hmm. see no matter how i show up i've got a long career possibility here yeah absolutely so our purpose at wba is more joyful lives through better health and this really, we believe strongly, it starts with our team members. And it also extends beyond the physical. I think this is really important to know. It's body, mind, and spirit and encouraging all to lead a healthy, productive life. And we introduced a team member vision and we refer to our 
employees as team members, which is to care for our team members as whole people. So this goes to the point of, you know, breaking down the professional and the personal. Those That line is forever blurred. And nurturing them as well as their families uh, beyond the workplace. And we want them to feel supported as their authentic selves. And that includes, you know, having the programs in place, the tools, the resources, as well as making sure that our managers are, are trained in, in how to show up every day and lead. So long before the pandemic, I know we've always offered um, a very strong suite of benefits, um, really anchored in our EAP, but we've since expanded these offerings. And in May of last year, we introduced Be Well Connected, which is our program to support our team members and their families through um, mental health and well-being offerings. So that program is actually a trio of platforms. Um, we have our EAP, which is part of that, where we offer five free mental health counseling sessions. We have a Journey Live, and we also have Indie Flicks, which produces short mental health related films to raise awareness on mental health issues. And all three are offered to our team members and their immediate family members. So this was really about focusing on the comprehensive health of our employees. And since introducing these resources, we have more than half of our team members and their families, which have downloaded and are actively using the Journey Live app. So we've gotten great uptake, just showing that, you know, we listened, we made sure we introduced tools and resources that were specifically meeting their needs. Well, I love that idea of the whole person and you can't disassociate a person from their family right or the people that they care the most about right you know i i am so pleased to hear you say that because i perhaps like uh perhaps like me you think there's a real mental health crisis in on, on many fronts and yes. you know one could argue that it's not the the job of a of a corporation to fix you know the the fissures in our society but nevertheless, these are the people who are impacted. And if we want productive, loyal, engaged workers, we need to address some of this. And I fear sometimes that the companies that don't sort of, I don't mean focus is not quite, not quite the right word, but you know, that are at least aware of and are attempting to support people through this. This has been a tough few years for a lot of people and not everybody's ready to flip the switch and move on. And you know, th this is about prioritizing um, these matters, because at the end of the day, this is a business need. This is about achieving results. And if you're not getting the most out of your workforce, if you are not enabling them to be successful and putting them in the best position to perform at their best, you're not going to achieve what you've set out to achieve. So this is a business imperative. And I think uh, the more organizations start to realize that, the bigger change they're going to see. I think that's right. And I hope people realize that before it becomes a problem that's that that is then that much bigger to fix in their right. organizations. So, you know, Holly, I, I'd love to ask you uh, what as you look at the landscape and you think about the many, many things competing for your attention and your resources. What do you think is the biggest issue facing uh, HR leaders today? And, and how do you how do you think we should tackle it? 
Yeah, uh, there's probably a list, right? I think uh, HR has has changed uh, quite significantly since 2020. I think, you know, there's a new set of expectations from the workforce today. I mean, beyond the impacts of the pandemic, I think there's so many global macro factors, you know, inflation, you know, the potential for a recession, you know, a rise in extremism. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? And I think that's even amplified further by the entry of Gen Z into the workforce. And Gen Z now makes up a third of the world's population, and they are radically different for millennials when it comes to careers and what's important to them. Um, they have no memory of a world before smartphones, and they are valuing salary less than every other generation before them. So we, we have to be able to adapt. And there are a new set of prerequisites and expectations that organizations are going to need to be able to meet. So that leads to how we're we're going after that at WBA. Um, you know, I think our understanding that living a full life it goes beyond your physical health, and that caring for mental health is essential, is a big part of that. And that line between the personal and professional, supporting the whole person, and celebrating. Uh, the authentic person that each of our um, employees are and treating them with dignity and respect and giving them access to the tools and resources they need to be successful. I think that's a big part of it. We've also really committed to enhancing the diversity of our workforce through really industry-leading disability and neurodiverse inclusive programs. And we understand that having a diverse workforce helps us in, we're representing the communities we serve. We're representing our customers. And when we attract and when we retain the best talent from that pool, it helps us build more lasting relationships with our stakeholders. And we know that, I mean, really the research shows that organizations with neurodiverse teams, they're 30% more productive. And it also uh, boosts team morale. And it's really important as leaders, as HR leaders, as we think about um, growing our, our, our talent and bringing more talent into the organization, we can grow our talent pool versus competing within a fixed pool by in including more individuals uh, who are neurodiverse or with various disabilities into our workforce. And um, we're, we're really proud of our work in that space. And in just a moment, I want to ask you about some of the things you may have changed in your, you know, talent acquisition strategies to kind of broaden the pool. But I, I'm so pleased to hear you say that because, you know, we think about flexibility. We know most all workers, you know, that's sort of a table stakes now. And every company has to figure out how do you get the business done? How do you remain competitive? And how's that all going to work? Uh, but this generation, Gen Z, they are uh, very willing to walk without something else in their hand in a way other generations may not have. Yes. And when you think about the flexibility enables so many people with disabilities or uh, oftentimes remote workers who were women who had child care or elder care or significant other care responsibilities that fell on their shoulders 
for people who were um, people of color or other underrepresented groups, the level of microaggressions and one on the request. I mean, it's just, it was a panacea. I hate to say that coming out of a pan pandemic. I don't mean that way, but it was a godsend in some ways for many people who really truly liked the remote work. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I want to be thoughtful about, you know, when I hear leaders saying, well, you know, we, we want everyone back and okay, that's a, that's heard very differently by some populations. And it also can have an impact on the progress that you've made on bringing, you know, a more diverse workforce to the fore. Did, yeah. Would you agree or am I off base? No, I think you're right. I think it's really about flexibility and choice. And I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, we, through offering more remote work opportunities, and again, I think that needs to be in areas where it, it matches up with the work sure. required in the role. But by sure. offering those, you, you are expanding your talent pool. You are expanding um, your ability to bring in individuals who might not be able to come into the office five days a week. And I agree with you. I think there's a large percentage of that population that could be working mothers, um, you know, individuals who are not able to travel or individuals who don't feel as comfortable being, being in the office every day. So I, I no, I, I think your points your points are right. So Holly, can you can you speak for a little bit about some of the the programs, the initiatives that that you have in place at Walgreens that really promote these kinds of hiring practices and really expands the the pool? Yeah, absolutely. So we've really been a leader in uh, disability inclusive hiring for the past um, sixteen years. And uh, we had two flagship programs um, that started, which uh, first was the transitional work group program, and that's in our distribution centers and the retail employees with disabilities initiative, which we call Ready, which is out in our re retail stores. And for both, we, we partner with agencies throughout the US to support and train our team members um, with disabilities to work in our stores or to work in our distribution centers. Um, and this year, in fact, we uh, made the decision, and this is a great example of really merging the worlds of ESG, um, DEI, and some of the more core HR functions, uh, bringing those together. But we added a representation goal to our bonus, our short-term incentive plan, our bonus plan for people with disabilities um, across all levels of the company um, in terms of participation. And we became the first in the S&P 500 to include that disability representation goal as a standalone metric in a disclosed incentive plan. And we're, wow. we're very proud of that. So we're putting teeth into our targets uh, to make sure that there is incentive for all leaders um, to champion this. And um, we really embrace, you know, um, what, you know, a set of neurodiverse skills, the creativity, the problem solving abilities bring to our workplace. And it's really, in our view, going to be a competitive differentiator. And we're, we're proud to be, you know, one of the organizations that, that really understands this. And we've also begun uh, another program to implement hiring initiatives in our micro fulfillment centers. And we're at an early stage with that, um, actually at our um, Micro Fulfillment Center in Arizona, but uh, we're targeting uh, Denver this fall, as well as our site in um, Massachusetts. 
And we're also um, alongside of that this year, introducing a, a neurodiversity hiring initiative in our um, support center. So in our headquarters location here in Deerfield, and um, we're kicking that off this year. Um, and that is for neurodivergent team members uh, to work in some of our corporate support center roles. Well, I find that fascinating. You know, you see some of the early research right now, we're all, you know, we're all apoplectic about the advent of generative AI. Mm -hmm. And of course, AI has been in the workplace for quite a while, thank you very much. But, you know, looking at the possibilities and also the frightening pieces of this, and I think every company is kind of sorting through what does this mean to us and, and all that. But what I have been hearing is uh, companies are often looking for the kind of skills that neurodiverse talent can bring to the table in terms of, especially in this new arena. I wondered if you had a, an, an opinion on that. Well, we're looking across all of our corporate roles. I mean, this is now expanded to every part of our business now. We started in retail and our distribution centers, but now we're bringing this into our corporate professional roles. And I think we're really excited about the skills and abilities that this, this population is going to bring, but we're not having this just be restricted to technology roles. Actually, one of the first roles we are filling is in the communication space. So we, we, we believe there's a broad set of interests. We, we know that there is broad skill sets um, uh, that neurodiverse employees can can bring to our organization. You know, Holly, I'm sure people listening to this say, wow, this is just an incredible journey that you've been on you personally, but but also now at Walgreens with this kind of robust program. And it, it may seem like, well, I, I, I can't get there or how would I start? Or, you know, I'm wondering if you had some words of wisdom for somebody who's thinking about how to expand perhaps their definition uh, of inclusivity and and what would you what would you suggest they do or where do they start? Yes, I think creating an inclusive environment is really the first step because of course you don't want to hire a, a number of individuals into your organization and then have them leave the next day. So I think making sure that that environment, the culture you've created internally, is one that that is inclusive and we actually at walgreens um, offer a two-hour training on disability awareness and etiquette during um, higher orientations for all of our new supply chain members as an example um, for our twg program and as a leader in disability inclusion we act, have always been proud of opening our doors for other companies um, to help them setting up their models. Uh, we actually have an inclusion university and I would encourage other companies to participate in this where you can come out and spend a few days with us and we can teach you the model, show you how to set it up. We uh, go through our curriculum, we teach leadership skills and we tour our buildings. So you can learn hands-on um, for the about the opportunities we offer individuals with disabilities here at Walgreens. Well, I think that's terrific. I mean, not only are you looking to better the lives of your employees and the communities you serve, but also others in our profession who are looking to get, you know, a, a, a good running start here. I think that's terrific. Well, well you know, Holly, as, as I uh, hear your journey, which is a little different from that of, of, of many, Everybody has a unique story and everybody has their own challenges and the ways that they've chosen to deal with them. 
I wondered if you had uh, maybe a suggestion or a word of wisdom or a, you know, something, a, a lesson learned for somebody who's maybe a couple of steps away from being, you know, in a role like yours. And they're, they're thinking, they're looking at you and, and others and saying, how, how do I get there? What's the, what's the one or two things that I might be able to do that position me to be better ready when the opportunity presents itself? That's a good question. Be curious. Uh, something I have done throughout my career and something uh, that, that's kind of a key tenet in my life is um, to, to always take opportunities when they're provided to me. And that could be, um, you know, taking on a project in an area that um, I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, be curious to learn, ask questions, be a student at all times, and, you know, don't let opportunities pass you by. I mean, I, I will tell you early in my career, uh, I think this was actually when I was an intern before I even started as, as a full-time employee, I, I learned, I, I was brought into the internal audit area and I learned how to make process flow charts and design key controls for SOX compliance. And I am telling you, those skills still serve me well today. When I'm uh, when I'm dealing with our audit department, so it's all of these various things, you know, grasp onto things that interest you. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, um, looking at a very specific ladder to move forward in your career, but learn laterally. I think if if there's one piece of advice that that I would give that has always served me well, it's that be curious. It's actually one of our values here at uh, Walgreens as well. Well, it sounds like you found a place with which you truly align. And I love your point. I think there's something to be said for being a perpetual learner because the mm -hmm. world we inhabit today is not at all like what it has been. And I'm sure it's going to be very different from what will be. And so mm -hmm. being able to sort of see those things, but having a curiosity about you that helps you think through things differently. That's probably mm -hmm. a, a great life skill, whether or not it's this profession or, or something else. But well, Holly, I uh, have so enjoyed our conversation today, and I want to thank you for not I'm only the, the the model that you are for others in this space in particular, um, but, but also for sharing your personal journey, and um, I learned a lot, and thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. It was great conversation. Great meeting you. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.